Hey guys, for those of you who are still considering whether the family leadership program would be a good fit for you, I just want you to listen to one of these messages that I received from a student in last month's cohort. Listen to this. And I was also going to tell you the other night, um, I actually sat down with my wife. She thanked me and told me that she doesn't feel alone in doing this with the kids anymore. And that's the highest praise I could get from her because she'd been asking me and asking me and asking me to be a part of this for so long and I just didn't know how. And I finally feel like I'm starting to get it. So Thanks for your message. It was really encouraging and it really has helped me. And I've thought a lot about it this week and I've just been looking for opportunities to work Jesus or God into any conversation I can or bring up a Bible verse or anything that just kind of comes up. So anyway, man, this has been a blessing being a part of this. I just want to say thank you. There are so many of our wives who have stepped into the gap when we haven't led well. I've been there, man, where my wife was the spiritual leader of our home because I just frankly wasn't stepping up and leading well. And I know many of you guys feel that way too, that you have wives who have stepped in and who have led your kids spiritually, and uh, you just didn't know where to begin, or you were reluctant to begin, or you maybe were disobedient, or whatever the case may be, you just weren't filling that role. And uh, so if that's you, and you feel like, man, I, I want to start to partner with my wife to help lead our kids to Jesus, and you want some tips and tools to help you do that, I can't recommend highly enough that you come join us in the Family Leadership Program. You will be surrounded by guys who love you and are going to push you toward that goal. So come join us over there. It's very limited in the amount of guys that we let in, and it's a small cohort each month that we let in, but uh, we'd love to have you. You can come join us by going to dadtire.com forward slash lead, L-E-A-D. Again, that's dadtire.com forward slash lead, and we will get you in into the next cohort. Before we jump into today's episode, actually, we have an, going to interview another dad who is trying to figure out what it looks like for him to be the spiritual leader of his home. This is a really raw and uh, emotional interview. I think it's going to be really helpful for you and uh, highly encouraging to you as you think about your own journey of trying to be the spiritual leader of your home. Before we jump into that, though, I do want to thank my friends over at Vera Safety for sponsoring today's episode. I know a lot of you guys uh, are gun owners and you own a firearm, and you are responsible gun owners. And as a responsible gun owner, you are thinking through, how do I keep my handgun in a place that's safe and secure and won't be of any harm to my family and my kids, but also I have quick access to it? That was me as a firearm owner, just thinking through, okay, I want to be able to have all the tools necessary to protect my family, but I also want to keep those tools in a safe place. And so I did a ridiculous amount of research, as I normally do, and came across Vera Safety. They have a mechanism or a, a unit called the Reach 2. Reach 2. It's a revolutionary handgun safe. It provides responsible gun owners both the security of a typical safe, but it also has the quick access of a holster. The Reach 2 locks onto the trigger guard of your handgun as you holster it, and it unlocks with your thumbprint as you grab the gun. I actually tried many different tools out there that I can safely keep my handgun stored, but also were quick. And this was by far the best tool that I could come up with or that I could find. And I actually, I bought it and loved it. And then was like, Hey, I'm going to reach out to them to see if they would sponsor the dad tire podcast. Cause I think a lot of dads in our community who are gun owners would also appreciate how amazing it is. It's really, really fast. It unlocks in 0.3 seconds. If you're an authorized user and you put your fingerprint on there, in 0.3 seconds, you are have access to your firearm. But it will not allow 
any other person to get that thing out of there. You, it can withstand 350 pounds of force. I mean, you cannot rip this thing off of where it's mounted and you cannot get the gun out of its safe, out of its holster once it's in there. You can actually store up to 20 fingerprints on it. It has it supports over 150 different handguns with interchangeable holster inserts. It has a six-month rechargeable battery life, which is really awesome. And one of the reasons I love this, it can actually be plugged into continuous power. I keep mine plugged in all the time, but if the power goes out or whatever, we still have six months that the battery is going to work. So the thing is awesome. It can be mounted anywhere, uh, bed, car, desk, nightstand, wherever you want to put it. I have two of them. If you want to keep your firearm safely and responsibly secured, but also have very fast access to it, I don't know of a better product. It is the absolute best. They're hooking you guys up. Dad's hired audience with $20 off. If you go to verisafety.com and you jump onto their website to get this you can purchase it and then you get $20 off by using the promo code dadreach all one word dadreach again the thing is called reach too so verisafety.com pick one of these up and i know you're going to love it that being said let's dive into today's episode Jonathan i was in arkansas this month, I guess a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we did a dad tired conference there and I got to hang out afterwards. We all went and grabbed lunch and dude, if I'm honest, I was just like, I'm exhausted. It was teaching, you know, all morning. And then they're like, all right, let's get lunch. And I was starving. I never eat before, before I teach. Cause I just, my nerves are too, you know, I just got like, I'm all jittery and stuff. So as soon as I'm done teaching, I always got a huge appetite. So we get done teaching or I get done teaching and then they're like, all right, let's go to lunch. And I'm starving. I'm just, all I'm thinking about is the food, (laughs) what I'm going to be eating. And then we sit down, man, and you and I hadn't really met or talked to each other. You were at the conference, but we hadn't really met or talked to each other much. Somebody, I think the pastor who hosted the conference is like, hey, man, you should hear Jonathan's story. So you just start telling your story, dude. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about my cheeseburger, but then all of a sudden I'm getting all choked up, teary eyed, because I'm like, holy cow, man, that's like a, that's a really cool story. And so I asked you, would you come on and would you be willing to share that same story with the dad tired guys? And you're like, oh, dude, I'm a nervous wreck doing that, but I want to. But anyway, man, let's just start from the beginning and let's just share God's goodness in your life, bro, and, and how he, uh, he kind of wrecked you. My life was, uh, it was a wreck. I was an addict. You know, I was an alcoholic. I ruined my marriage. Me and my wife got divorced. I lost everything I had due to alcoholism and addiction. So I'll just interrupt you a bunch during the story, if that's okay. Did you know you were an addict or were you just like, no, I drink and it's kind of. No, no man. Cause I mean, it was just like a, it was like every weekend thing, you know, every, I just done it to be doing it, you know, but then I got to where I was, you know, I could do it all by myself. I didn't have to have a social, you know, some people say, well, I drank socially or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go to a barbecue with friends and I will have occasional drink, but I, you know, I took it way too extreme. You know, I was the one that didn't have a shut off. You know, I didn't have a stopping point. When did alcohol get introduced into your life? That's a hard question. Probably, you know, back in high school, that was kind of a weekend thing, Mm -hmm. if you'd say, but it wasn't that extreme. You know, it was just, you know, we'd get together and kind of party a little bit, but it was not. Hmm. I just really spiraled out of control with it. Once, like, what you spiraled out once you got married, and like, what at what point did? Yeah, I don't really know if there was really a point in my life where I just, you know, because I I went right out of high school. You know, I started 
doing, you know, the alcohol wasn't enough. You know, I would drink and mm. next thing you know that, you know, the alcohol wasn't strong enough anymore. Yeah. Then I moved on to other things and that, that really messed me up for a while, you know? And well, of course I had to get a job and, you know, you can't, can't do certain things. You, you know, you got to have a job. You got to be able to keep your job. So you can't, you can't be doing illegal things. So I just turned right back to alcohol. I never had a point in my life where I was actually sober. You know, I was just kept trading one for the other. I never had a point where I stayed, you know, actually sober. Yeah. And this was, uh, you, so you're married, you're yes. drinking a ton. Yep. You have a son. Yes. I mean, at this point when you're realizing like you're getting drunk all the time, it's not just social anymore. You're by yourself getting drunk. I guess how long had you been married as that's part of your life? And I was, it was probably 10 years. Wow. Luckily, my wife stayed strong. You know, I feel so bad about that a lot of times, even now, hmm. you know, because you never can get that time back that you, that, you know, you mess up with your wife or your, your kids. You know, that hurt me a lot. You know, you can say I'm sorry, you know, and, and I'm sure that she knows that I'm sorry. And, but there's so many nights or so many times I wished I would have just listened to her. You know, I thought she was kind of controlling me, you know, the whole why thing. Oh, you don't want me to go here. You don't want me to do this. She wasn't trying to keep me from seeing people. She wasn't trying to keep me from doing things that I wanted to do. She was just trying to keep me straight on a good path. And I just I thought she was trying to just run my life and keep her her thumb over me, but she was trying to help me. I remember, I think when you shared your story with me at the restaurant, you were saying that at some point she gave you an ultimatum though. She was like, you know, you got to figure this out or I'm out of here. Yeah. And I just, I think I had just a, a attitude where I didn't think I needed her. You know, I come to a point where I thought she was just trying to control me, come to keep her like a mother figure over me, I guess you'd say, well, you can do this, you can't do that. And hmm. then again, she was just trying to keep me from doing the things that I was doing, but I didn't see it that way. I was too blind to all that. I just wanted to do me. I wanted to do everything for me, not my wife, not my kids. I just, and, and I kept doing that and I lost my wife. I lost my kid. I lost everything. You mean like, did she just up and left or what? She, when she, you know, she told me that if I didn't stop and she was going to leave and I didn't stop. Hmm. We got in. Uh, we got divorced, hmm. and I moved back to uh, the town that I was originally from, and she stayed here where we live now. And man, I just—that's when every the alcohol really picked up for me. Hmm. I always thought, you know, I want to be able to just do what I want to do. Man, that's not what I needed in that at that time in my life. I did not need to be able to do what I wanted to do, Yeah, you know, because that's when I really hit rock bottom hmm. and didn't even think about, you know, people, you know, people you'd see, people you'd come in contact with be, how you doing? Oh, I feel good. You know, look, you know, I feel fine. Yeah. Man, you look terrible. What do you mean? How long has it been since you eat? How many long is it, you know, hmm. you don't see yourself, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly hard to be self-aware when you're in the middle of your mess, whatever the mess is. I mean, that, that's true for addiction, but it's true for any kind of sin and entanglement. When you're in the middle of it, you have a, an incredible way of convincing yourself. This is normal. You're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Everyone does this, you know, it's, this is normal. Everybody's kind of messed up. So no big deal. But before you got divorced though, you were still like, you were showing up to church from time to time, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Now, it wasn't all bad. Me and my wife, when we lived in in the town that, that we were originally from, she finally got me. It was, I had been sober for a couple months, maybe. Okay. And we had started going to a, a Baptist church there. And man, the conviction just kept hammering me. We didn't have a son at this time. My son wasn't born yet. Mm. It was just just pure guilt, you know, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I went down and I just, you know, and I prayed and just got down on my hands and knees and told God, you know, I can't do this. And I met with a preacher later on and, you know, I give my life to Christ and I got baptized. And, you know, I'd done good for a while after that. I stayed in the word and and I just once again, Satan showed up. Mm. right back off track I went how much of that was the people you're hanging around you know that's funny you ask that to me you know people say you know I I get addicted to different narcotics or alcohol whatever they whatever they enjoy doing because they had this tragedy or you know they go through a certain season of their life where they they drink more or they do this more I agree with that to an extent but all also, I believe that on my standpoint, I didn't do that. I mean, it was the feeling I was chasing more than, you know, I can't blame the alcohol or whatever I was doing on and a certain event that happened in my life. I'd done it because I like, you know, getting wasted. I mean, that's felt good. Yeah, I did. I mean, I can't blame, you know, that's I never blamed, you know, my wife for you know, I couldn't call her after a three-day spell and say, hey, this is your fault. I'm in this position. I woke up this morning in the floor because you done this to me. It wasn't her fault. Yeah. I'd done it to myself, you know. Yeah. So after you, I guess, relapsed. Yes. Were you even thinking through, like, I'm sober and now I'm clean? Or was it just kind of like you're kind of weaving in and out of life? Like, eh, I'll probably give that up. And You know, I... It's kind of hard to say, you know, once I give my life to Christ, I really didn't want to do those things anymore. You know what I mean? I actually felt bad about drinking or whatever it was I was involved in. I guess, you know, the conviction part of it, you know, I started feeling bad about the things I was doing. And, you know, I got to where me wanting to do it outweighed, outweighed following Christ. And And I just let my flesh take over. That's all there is to it. I talk about that a lot in the, uh, you know, when, we're, when I'm talking to guys in, in the sense that like for guys, when you're chasing after these sins, you know, really what you're chasing after is what you said. Like, I just want to do it. Like, you know, like I, I think this is going to satisfy me. And we talked about this at the conference, right? Like you thought your freedom was going to satisfy saltwater. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. You know, uh, I thought this was going to satisfy me and it didn't. I thought this was going to satisfy me and it didn't. And, and one of the things, though, that, that I think is important about what you just said is the conviction. Because a lot of guys feel like, ah, I don't know, am I a Christian anymore? Like, I'm falling, I'm kind of entangled in a lot of stuff, so am I even a Christian anymore? I think that's a fair question to ask yourself, because we see the fruits of the Spirit when we're living, when the Spirit of God is in us. But the fact that you have conviction is evidence that the Spirit of God is still in you and working. If the Spirit of God was not in you and working, you wouldn't feel convicted about anything. You'd just be sitting like, oh, this is great. I feel great, you know? But you felt that conviction. And so God was still chasing after you, even as you're running away. 
you know, he makes it easy. We're the ones that make it very yeah. hard. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I guess, relapse. You start going back into the old ways. You have a child at this point? Yes. My, yeah. Uh, my son was, let's see, he was eight years old. I was still drinking pretty, not as bad. We had started going to a new church. The church we attend now, man, they just, yeah. the presence of God is there. There's no way to explain it. I agree full, wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. I was there and I'm like, this is God's moving here. It's, yeah, it's, the, in, yeah. The people you come in contact with, the, you know, just the brotherhood. I mean, like a, the small groups that we have. Mm-hmm. And there's always somebody there that if you need something, they're there to pray for you, be yep. with you. I mean, there's, there's been people since we've attended this church that's been put in my life for a reason. Hmm. You know, uh, there's a doctor that's, you know, very, very close to me, uh, even the, the preacher. And I mean, it's there, this man, the, the, the friendship and the brotherhood is just, man, it's amazing. Well, I agree. It is amazing. I was there and I, and I witnessed it and I saw it. It was really special. I actually have been, man, I've been in some good churches the last couple of weeks, man. Just like God is moving. And especially in these men, it's been good stuff, but you didn't always feel like that. You told me at lunch, like you used to go there and you were like, man, these guys, all they want is the money. <laughs> <laughs> My wife watched it when, uh, before central launched, or, uh, she watched a little, interview thing that uh, Blake had posted on uh, the past Facebook, yeah, yeah. you know, talk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought, Oh man, there's, you know, and I got to looking at central, you know, there's a campus in the Jonesboro, another town. And I thought, man, there's a lot of people that go to this church. You know, that's freaked me out. Cause you know, even where I got saved and baptized at, you know, if I had 40 people, you know, we was <laughs> packed you know? and there's 40 people that like give you coffee in the morning yeah, time right, at our right. church. We had watched the, you know, Blake talk about the church and my wife, once again, you know, she said, uh, I'm going to this church and you can go with me or not. So I went and man, you know, the first couple of times I was just kind of dead to it and it just, oh man, it, I was, Jesus Christ grabbed me. When my son. Well, I will hold this is the part of the story. I'm like, oh man, you got me all choked up. You know, yep. I want to get into that stuff. But I think before we get into that part, I think it's important for you to unpack for even just 30 seconds what you were feeling. Cause I, that stuck out to me where you were really suspicious. You're like, man, this church, all they want is your money. You know, yeah, I'm here. They're trying to get me to serve and set you. And you even said you were serving, you know, like they wrangled you in to do stuff. You're still drinking a ton. You're just super suspicious. Like, oh, all they want's my money. And I think a lot of guys feel that, honestly. They're like, what is this church? Man, it was. I mean, you think about a big church like that. Think, well, they've got, they just want, you know, that's how they, that's how they're run, you know, their, their finances. I mean, the, the church, I mean, they got to have money to keep running. So they need your money. You know, that's what I had in my mind, you know, at this point. And, you know, I thought there's no way that I'm going to fit in at this church. Mm-hmm. There's no way. What do you do for a living? I am a welder at a factory here. In yeah. Canada. So you work with your hands, man. You're just a, I mean, you're a man's man. I, I was hung out with you, man. You're, you're a man's man. You're just, and so you're showing up to this church. Everybody's, you know, looks nice. And they got everything put together. And you're like, oh man, this place is all they want some money. And I got, I'm not going to fit in here. I'm, right. I'm trying to get back and drink a little bit more. Right? right. But man, I was totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? This is the, this is my favorite part of the story. What happened? 
How did God ca- start to capture you? Oh, you're talking about Gavin, my son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was still, still pretty much drinking on the weekends, and still, even though I start, we started attending Central. My son Blake had called invitation one morning. I said, "Son, you don't know what he was eight years old." And I said, "Son, you don't know what you're asking for." You know, are you? So he wants to go up. You're, the pastor says, "You know, who who's going to give their life to Christ?" Your son, who's eight, it's like I do, and you're like, "What are you doing, dude?" Oh, and it kind of blowed my mind at the first time. I was like, "No, you don't know what you're. You know, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't." We went home. I didn't let him go. Hmm. You like you physically held him back. Yeah, I, t- I told him. I said, "Son, you can't do that. You don't know what you're asking for." Hmm. You know, and it, we was we was really active in the church at this point. Next Sunday, the same thing happened. And he told me, he said, Daddy, I'm going down where, you know, I have to do this. And I was like, no, son, you can't. You can't do that. You know, I just kept holding him back. And now that I look back, actually, what I was holding back was me. Mm. And uh, <sighs> I called Blake. And I said, we have got to sit down with Gavin. I mean, he, I need to talk to somebody, you know, because, I mean, how to, you know, is he too young? Is he, you know, does he understand? I just want to really emphasize here, you're not even really that dedicated to following Jesus no. yourself at this point. No. You're just trying to make sure your son's not committing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you sit down with the pastor and you're like, we got to talk him out of this because he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, we went in one night, one afternoon, and the uh, Breck, one of the, the preachers, you know, just pretty much was in, in shambles when me and Gavin, you know, Gavin was sitting there with him. You know, here I am sitting at this long table. It felt like a, a two-hour ordeal, <laughs> you know, and Gavin's answering every question he's being asked, and here I am just a a barrel of shambles, man, bawling my eyes out mm. at this point. You know, Gavin's holding it all together. You know, he's super excited. Mm. And Gavin give his life to Christ that mm. night. It's been almost three years now. We was in the truck on the ride home and uh, on the way home. And, uh, you know, we was calling my mom and calling everybody, you know, just super excited for him. And here I am sitting in the front seat, you know, just, you know, calling people and, and for some reason, I guess Jesus Christ <laughs> wanted me to ask Gavin this question, but I turned around and I said, son, you know, what do you want? And he said, dad, I want you to stop. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> That's when I realized I had a problem. That's all right, brother. That's when I knew that I was... You know, just completely mm. still living wrong. And when he told me that, man, it was just a like a light switch. I quit cold turkey that night. Mm. I have not had a drink since he asked me to stop. You said, I remember one thing that was so impactful is you said you literally had to pull the car over. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't stand it. And it was just, there's no... Man, I, I, it was if just the presence of Christ. You, you know, and I, I've said this before. You can only run so long. It was time for me to stop. Mm. 
you know, I thought, you know, I'd always thought, man, I can do this on my own. I can stop when I want to. I don't, I'm not the one with the problem, but I did. I, I knew at that point in my life that I had to quit. And not that, you know, not that I was, you know, all, when I say that, I always made excuses to find reasons to drink or find reasons to do this. You know, I, I was still, you know, living for myself, you know, more or less. But my son changed my life. Absolutely. You know, Jesus Christ changed my life. But he used he Gavin used to, do to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you said you got out of the car. You pulled over and you said, I remember you said you went to the back of the truck and your body's just yeah. like shaking. You're just like, you're, you're having this experience where it's like, what in the world is I, going I, on? I couldn't hold it together and, anymore. And, yeah. Yeah. And you went back into the truck and you told your son, okay, Done. I'm quitting. That's it. And you never had a drink since. No, and I, you know, it kind of scared me. You know, I've heard of people, you know, going through a detox or, you know, having the, you know, shakes or, you know, feeling, I didn't have anything. He just healed you. He healed you in so many ways. Yeah. It wasn't just physical. He was just, you know, spiritually he's drawn you, his son. He's drawing two of his sons back to himself, <laughs> Gavin and you, <laughs> you know? And uh, what, so what happens after man? Like what, what does life start to look like? from that day forward it was tough I would be, to be honest with you Jared it was really really tough after that it wasn't like you know Gavin was it was right Gavin was right with Jesus Christ and I was you know I really started doubting my salvation at this point because I thought man there's no way that I can still be right with Christ you know I was complete wrecked <laughs> And I sat down with several people, you know, and talked to them about this, you know. Jesus Christ, once you, it's in your heart. You know, once you give your life to the Christ, you don't fall out of his grace. You know, yes, you can run. That's what I did. But I come back to him. It was it was very hard because we continued to live our life, you know. We continued to live life, but we've done it different. You know, we were still going to the lake. We were still involved with a lot of the people that we still were around you know i didn't change the people that i were i was around but i changed me you know we was coming back from the lake you know instead of i was able to you know my wife called uh i don't remember who she called but it was it felt good to me but it was funny to them you know she called one night to one of her friends you know we was going to and there in in town, we was going to town on a Saturday night. She said, Jonathan's driving us to town to get ice cream. It's Saturday night. And they kind of giggled. And it's like, and that, that was uncommon, you know, because I never, I was always, you know, under the influence. And, and God restored your marriage, right? Like you, you went from divorce and now you're married to the same woman, right? Yeah. She, she took me, you know, she took me back. That's so amazing. I remember I heard that. Gavin shared his story at church, sharing what it was like yes. to have a dad now who's been changed by Jesus. What did he say in that when he shared? I can go get him if you want him to talk. Yeah, man. Bring him in. Let me hear what he said. Hey. Hey, buddy. How are you? Great. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, man. I was just I was just talking to your dad about he was sharing your guys' story. And uh I asked him, uh, I heard that you had spoke at the church and you were talking about how you had shared the difference between when your dad wasn't following Jesus 
and now that he is following Jesus and you shared with the church about that, can you tell me what that was like to see your dad before Jesus and what it's like to have your dad around now? Well, every weekend he'd drink mm-hmm. and I'd, he'd just be laid over and I'd be doing my own little thing, no attention, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And after he got, I got saved, he quit drinking instantly. We done a lot of stuff together. <laughs> And what's it like now, man? What's you know life look like now that your dad is following Jesus? It's amazing. We go to church, we go to mission trips, and everything in between. Yeah, man. I feel like God used you. Like God knew that he needed to use you to help bring your dad back to Jesus. How do you feel about that? I feel amazing that I could, I could change him. Yeah, yeah. That I was led by Jesus to help him. <laughs> that's awesome dude you know the bible says that if we don't worship god that the rocks will worship him the trees will worship him and so really god can use anything he can use rocks and trees but he used you man he knew before he even created the world that he wanted to draw your heart to his and that he was going to use you to help bring your dad's heart back to his how cool is that man really cool yeah yeah well i've heard a lot about you And uh, it seems like God has his hand on you and uh, he's going to use you for some big things, man. So I'm, I'm honored to meet you. I'm honored to meet you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Gavin. I appreciate you sitting down with me for a minute. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) You're lucky dad, man. Thank you. I I just very blessed. You are, you know, ever since, you know, since he's been, you know, every you know things don't happen overnight. He was asking how things are. You know, now that you know, it was really a struggle for me a lot afterwards. You know, even after things were you know right with Gavin, you know, I was right, but it's still hard to be around. You know, other people that drink. Mm. I mean, it would have to be at the lake or anything. It could be at a restaurant. Mm. I mean, I don't. <sighs> It, I didn't have to know him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we went, we still went on vacations. I mean, we still went to restaurants on the beach, you know, and that was, and it was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because that's, you know, that's what I did, you know, mm-hmm. I, and that, but for anybody that's going through that, I mean, you can beat it. Mm-hmm. You just got to have your heart in Jesus Christ and he will, I mean, it, it can be done. I promise you it can be done. I believe that too, brother. And, you know, there's, there's really two things that I, when I hear your story, one is I'm reminded that God is using our children to draw us closer to him. And I think sometimes as dads, we think all the responsibility, it's a one way street. We're trying to pour in everything we've got into our kids. And man, that is just limiting how God works. He's more creative than that. He absolutely. (laughs) And he is using your children to shape you. And that's true for every dad listening right now. God is using your children to shape you. And the other thing, as I hear your story, man, and I, I so appreciate you sharing, and I appreciate Gowan sharing, I just, I'm reminded of God's relentless pursuit of men's hearts. And there's guys right now who are listening, and I'm just going to speak to you, listener, for a second. Like, you may have this little thing that is just on the side that you think it's not a big deal and I'll just keep doing this. And 
you know, Jonathan was a, you were functioning, dude. Like you were still showing up to church. You were functioning, you were working, doing your thing, but you had this thing that was destroying you and it was destroying your family. And, uh, and so man, whatever that thing is for Jonathan, it was alcohol, but for you, dude, whatever it is that you're entangled in that you just need to get out of, don't get it to the point where your kids are asking you, daddy would just, just stop dad, please just stop. Let this moment right now, wherever you're listening to this in your truck or mowing the lawn or working out or whatever you're doing, man, let this be a moment of the Holy Spirit drawing you to say, now's the time to throw that off. Man, you brought me closer to Jesus today, Jonathan. I'm so glad that we got to hang out today, man. Thank you. You know, it's a, it's a really big life changer for me. I mean, uh, to be involved around Christian people, you know, iron sharpens iron. And to anybody that's, you know, listening or whatever, like you said, man, it, it's, you can stop, man. Jesus Christ can pull you through anything. You just got to give it to him. You might, it might be a little kid in a car seat somewhere right now that's going to change their father. That's right. And that, that's what's so amazing about, you know, your children. He'll use anything to chase us down. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, brother. This was so good, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.